understanding and knowing your own boundaries and taking care of yourself because if you're not whole and you're not taking care of yourself you can't take care of anybody else and so being okay with putting limitations in certain areas if it's going to be better for the long run understanding that you can't do everything yourself but that allyship that you were talking about like that is so key in there and i really appreciate that welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the how for her human expansion realized podcast these podcasts are the creative artistry inspired by our weekly gather for her conversations that take place in real time they are the culmination of co-created and harvested wisdom that is palpable during these gatherings around our virtual fire our hope is that in a practice of deep listening with us here you will feel our hands at your back in the journey of realizing your own personal expansion leaving each listening experience with a spark that ignites your how Professionally speaking, formally speaking, uh, Valerie is an associate uh, financial advisor at Sunshine Coast Investment uh, Insurance Services. She's a mutual fund investment specialist uh, with cooperators, financial investment services. So a little bit about Val, she loves to get to know folks' uh, personal stories. And from those stories, she can understand more about the intricate lives that the, her clients, uh, residents across the Sunshine Coast uh, and beyond, um, what their needs are, what brings them the greatest joy. And in doing so, coming to that understanding and helping them and being of service is where she really finds her greatest joy. Uh, it's through understanding these stories that she can help to highlight and prioritize their goals. And so it's very, it's interesting to read this because it, it sounds like so familiar, <laughs> walking beside people and learning to understand them. So she says, your solutions may end up similar, but the way they get there is always unique to you. And um, she, she strives to provide safe, judgment-free uh, space to learn and plan for your future and for our futures together, as well as the now. A little bit about cooperators. I feel like I should just, in case you're not aware of them, I'm just going to let you know that they are um, they're one of uh, Canada's leading financial services um, cooperatives, which is quite a relational business model, I might add. Um, and they do a number of great things for folks from uh, different types of insurance and wealth products, advice, services, and I think we'll probably get into a whole much more, but really all with the goal of providing families and communities with more financial strength and security. There's so much more, Val, but I'd really love to, to hand it over to you how would you like to introduce yourself and how would you like people to know a little bit more about you this morning? And thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction and so much for having me here today. I am very grateful to be joining you from the Squamish Nations. I live, work and play uh, both in the Seashelt and Squamish Nations area, having my home in Seashelt, but having my office in uh, Gibson's Squamish Nation here. Uh, yeah, so I have been with cooperators for about six years now. Um, my history is I got my start in credit unions in 
um, starting as a teller, being a banker, uh, personal banking services and that sort of thing. Starting in Ontario, um, where I met my husband and we made the decision to expand our horizons and move away from our families all the way to BC to help career uh, progression and build a life for ourselves that we weren't able to do as young professionals um, in Toronto. And so we spent five years living in Prince Rupert, uh, where I continued to do personal banking and I made the shift into general insurance there. And six years ago, when we moved to the Sunshine Coast, um, as we're looking to find our footing and where am I gonna land career-wise, I found Cooperators, which was a really perfect fit for myself because it brought my financial background and my insurance background together. Um, and it's where I became a leader. Uh, so it's a little tidbit I'll put in here as I remember in my initial interview to, to join Cooperators. I applied for just a general insurance agent position and I was asked in this interview, why is this the position that you applied for? And I responded with, well, it's the posting that I found, but to be honest, I think I have a lot more to offer. And I don't think I really understood in that moment what I had to offer, but they let me know about the leadership position that was available here. And I just remember chuckling to my husband after being like, they, want me to be the manager there and I couldn't quite believe it and now six years later I can't imagine doing anything else. I love that Val and I've had the pleasure of spending some time on the phone with you getting to know you just having a conversation to say hey who are you anyway you know and uh what a it was just such a rich relational conversation and so our first question for you is really that like what does relational leadership mean to you and uh I mean I could say what I think it is about you because I just so loved that conversation but um yeah what comes up for you around that um lots of things come up uh and it really was such a relational conversation that we had it was really really a joy people people are people doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are, or anything like that. We are really all just human beings. And it's just remembering that you are a person and I am a person. And relational leadership is keeping that remembrance at the forefront. It's remembering that in a corporate type of environment, um, you have happy staff, you're going to have uh, much everybody is going to have an easier life. Um, your your staff are happy in the work that they're doing, in the people that they're with, in the way that they're treated. They are going to have a stronger level of respect. They're going to have a level of respect for you as a leader, for their colleagues and their uh, coworkers, as well as for the work that they're doing and the people that they're serving. Thank you for that. I wonder, Shar, if you might jump in because you've had a long, you have a long, you have been in a long walk with Val in, in in working both like knowing each other as individuals, people on the coast, and then also professionally. And I just wonder what what is arriving for you around relational leadership and your your work with uh, cooperators. Well, I'm curious where this takes you, Val. But what I will say is. Um, 
my husband and I also moved to the Sunshine Coast from a from a bigger city uh, in 2004. And I think, you know, it was that sense of home, that sense of community that um, I'm not going to say always, you know, only is apparent in a rural community, but it certainly is what attracted me. Um, I'm a small town girl from way back. Um, but really, it is about community. And in a small town, um, relational leadership in, you know, rural BC and rural Canada, you know, across Turtle Island, it is, I think I've always just craved that sense of um, we, we are a village. And um, you, you, you need to work together in a small community to make it work. And um, that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about my relationship with with Val, you know, through the cooperators, through the Sunshine Coast Credit Union. It's like the demonstration of we're people first. Um, they know me as a person <laughs> first and foremost. And um, I'm just curious where that takes you just from kind of the size of our community. And we we are kind of, I'm, I'm going to say just to, to bring the conversation there, we're kind of forced into like, you know, we better make it work because if you want to live here in, in this beautiful rural setting, um, you really do need to work on relationships and work together to make it work for your family and for your community. Yeah, we are, I think, so incredibly fortunate in our community that we have here. Our community is, uh, I think, quite strong and filled with so many multi-talented people, multi-faceted people. Um, and I found that in the community that we have here, we have a lot of strengths in a lot of different areas. And at the end of the day, this is where I live. Um, this is my home and I want my home to be a really good place and anything that I can do to make that better. I want to get to know the people that are here and see what areas need improvement. What is something within my realm and my abilities that I can contribute to help to do that. And I'm fortunate enough to work with an organization that I can do that in so many different ways. And so as an example of that is the collaboration that we are working on together through cooperators, Indigenous Lift Collective, Powerhouse, Regen Media, Sunshine Coast Credit Union. I come to you here as a people leader, a financial advisor, you know, like my day to day isn't it's not that it's not in the community, it's all in the community and, and other different ways. But I also am with an organization that gives me the allowance and the freedom to collaborate. I, back in May, Shar invited me to the table of 20 with Powerhouse. And um, it was a wonderful experience. And from there, we just kind of got to talking and spitballing on like, what is something that we could do together? Is there more there? Is there a collaboration that we could have? And I let her know that cooperators, we have a, an actual special funding program for nonprofit organizations 
And so we kind of started that spitball rolling a little bit further, a little bit of brainstorming and brought in Indigenous Lift Collective, which is a nonprofit organization. Um, and with Vanessa from Indigenous Lift Collective, the three of us just started to say, okay, well, what are our strengths? What is it that this organization does and this organization does and our organization does? How can we bring this together and create a project that will better our community? And from that, we're now at a place to, that we're starting to launch an educational cohort program for Indigenous uh, women and non-binary individuals in an effort of economic reconciliation to bring startup businesses through a, a business learning cohort. Let's give you the skills and the tools that you need if you have your business idea or you're at the beginning of your business um, so that you have the ability to have a strong business, have a strong start, be successful and be seen. It's gonna come with education. It's coming with micro grants so that you have a little bit of financial to help you to start. And then Regen Media, is going to create a documentary to share the stories of these businesses that we're choosing so we can take these individuals and learn about their passions on what brought them to their business idea and then we can highlight that and share that and create more visibility for them um i this is like a little bit not quite relational leadership but it's that community aspect of it of that ability to be able to say I can do this, I can do that. What's within the parameters that I can do that I have the allowance? Well, I have cooperators at my fingertips. What resources do they have that I can leverage to use this? What resources do you have that we can leverage to do this and bring it together for the betterment of our community? I think that's like a little bit on community there. And I wanna say that is relational leadership. It's, but it's, it's, it's the modeling of what relational leadership can do. I just really appreciate the way that you invited our viewers and listeners today to, to learn about what, what does that actually look like? It, and it was, it was, we gathered, we gathered, and then a little thread came through of what we each do. And then we followed that thread and how, how can we work together so that this, some, this project can happen that affects beautiful change. Like, just gorgeous. Um, I want to pass to you, Sharon, um, about just about what's alive for you. You know, so many of the conversations we have are about, well, you, right now you're really, emotional intelligence is like the thing that's like, seems to be right in front of you and doing and working in circles. Uh, just where are you in this conversation right now? Thanks, Tina. And thank you, Val, for, for, um, for being such a staunch advocate uh, for um, uh, uh, community, you know, um, yeah, yeah the, the, there's so many pieces to what you just said. Um, and yes, I have to agree with uh, Tina that that is relational leadership. Totally. I mean, you're you're working with the community. You work, you you are following through on something that I feel that you're very passionate about. So you know. Um, and that, yeah, I, I applaud you for that. Um, I was actually supposed to give a workshop at the the at the um, the lift first steps, and and so I had to I had to uh, I had a, a compromising um, um, workshop to do, so I can't do it. But I'm excited to learn how that all goes. So so just I applaud you for that, and um, uh, I. 
had something, but it it has left me, and um, I will. I should have wrote it down. I'm. <laughs> it'll come back. Thanks. I have I have a little piece that I'd love to. There's two things that I'd love to dive into, and then we'll go back. <laughs> we'll go back to it, but I think it's all it's all part of um, our conversation topic today. But one thing that Val, you know, said was she looked around for what was within her reach. And I just really want to highlight that because relational leadership is I come with what's in my reach, the gifts that I have, you know, what's possible for me, you come with what's in your reach and together we can reach further. You know, I know we all know that, but I think it's worth repeating again and again and again and again, because that is true allyship. That is true relational leadership in action. Um, the other piece that I just want to highlight, because I think it's so timely, is, you know, both Sharon and I are extremely passionate about providing the right foundational supports for Indigenous women and Indigenous female uh, and in a female identifying uh, business owners, entrepreneurs. Um, we, I think that it, it's so fascinating to me to be a part of making sure that these foundational cohorts happen that have a holistic approach. And I'll, I'll tie it into what's relevant. I was listening to a podcast at the gym this morning uh, from the U.S. and it was it was all it was uh, about venture capital finance and the latest thing to be happening right now is the development of um, founder support programs because the stats are in that founders are burned out absolutely burned out because <laughs> they don't have the foundational growth support program with all the quadrants of the medicine wheel at the table and they don't have that allyship and so they're starting off on their journey with a very different set of intentions so i just want to really echo and mirror that back to all of you because if we start from that place of grounded relational for me what is everything I need to be balanced and do this for the long haul? What is everything you need? So that's what, you know, that's what's coming up for me this morning around the relevance of this topic and how we're taking it uh, in action. Val, I, I want to pull on the name of cooperators. And like, I'm like, huh, funny that. I wonder if you might want to speak a little bit. To, so the question that we have in the script is, you know, how are you bringing relational leadership into your leadership? And uh, I don't want to answer it for you, but I just think it's really interesting that the that where you landed is with a company called Cooperators. Um, any you want to run with that? <laughs> sure. Um, well, before I do that, I just want to touch a little bit on what Shar was just saying. There is like that protection of yourself to be able to come as your whole self and be balanced 
I actually, I hadn't really considered that in what I was thinking about for this conversation, but that might actually be the number one most important. It's like, what's the old adage? You know, you can't, uh, you can't put uh, somebody else when you're on fire. You can't put out somebody else's fire if you're on fire or, so, or something like that. But understanding and knowing your own boundaries and taking care of yourself, because if you're not whole and you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. And so being okay with putting limitations in certain areas, if it's going to be better for the long run, understanding that you can't do everything yourself, but that allyship that you were talking about, like that is so key in there. And I really appreciate that. Um, cooperators and cooperatives, I, I feel like it's in my blood because I mentioned uh, credit unions. I have a history of credit unions and working in credit unions. and. I remember when I was eight years old and my mom started working for a credit union and I went to the bank and I shut down my Royal Bank fat cat account and opened my credit union uh, account from there. And that's when I was introduced to the concept of a cooperative, which is a democratic model of business ownership. And so what that is, is that we're here for the people. We're owned by the people, you know, in a credit union that's represented by you having your bank account with them. You have a member share that represents your ownership and an invested interest in that company. Um, cooperators is a little bit different in the way that our cooperative works. You know, if you have an insurance policy with us or an investment with us, that does not make you a member owner of this democratically owned organization. But um, our cooperative model is that several other cooperative organizations across the country represent our member ownership. And so that democratically owned and operated cooperators group of companies then houses a ton of other companies, including uh, cooperators, financial investment services, uh, cooperators, general insurance company, cooperators, life insurance company, all those different services that you can get under one roof here are actually different organizations that are then democratically owned by cooperatives. And, and so I guess that's a level of, of permission to give that relational, re relational leadership is that you're working for an organization that understands that and supports that and encourages that as well. I remember what I was um, trying to spit out before. <laughs> so Tina mentioned emotional intelligence. And so um, so that's been huge on my mind these days because I've just, I'm just finishing up um, an MBA and my specialization is in leadership. And so we are, the last class I had uh, yesterday is leading with emotional intelligence. And so, so um, for, for me, um, I, I feel that relational leadership uh, is very much um, deals with emotional intelligence and, um, and in particular, uh, I feel uh, intuition, maybe in your case, plays a big part in, in, in what you're, uh, how you are leading. So, for example, you um, have a, a long history with, um, with um, Powerhouse and Regen and, a, and, a, and a, a personal friendship with, with Shar, who happens to be Indigenous. And, and you know, her organizations are Indigenous-led. And, um, and then now you, you have this partnership with um, uh, in, indigenous uh, lift, um, and so I guess I'm I'm just cu curious um, why. <laughs> that's that's a good question. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not to put you on the spot, but just, you no, know, like, like, like no, that's what is, what is the draw for you to, because you, you are a staunch supporter. So what is the draw for you? What, what, what do you, you know, and, and, and what does intuition have to do with it, with that? Yeah. So, um, so important to understand and be able to vocalize your your why, you know, and it actually brings me back to the conversation Tina and I were chatting and, and it's um, if an opportunity presents itself to me in some way, shape or form, I'll always explore it. I'll start with the why not and not the why, you know, and explore it and see where it takes me. Um, so there's there's definitely an element of that in there, but I wouldn't call that really the why. Um, the why is this important? Um, why is this something that I create passion around or want to be a part of? Is uh, also kind of ties into community. Like this is this is my home and this is what's important. And through education and, and learning about our history and and our country uh, and locally as well. Um, that's where it's the why, why not? Why wouldn't I, you know, understand as, as you learn piece by piece, you know, we're piecing these reconciliation parts together one piece at a time as, as we're learning. And as a clearly white colonized individual um, that comes here, you know, that's part of my responsibility at a, as a very baseline level of respect is why wouldn't I implement a land acknowledgement somewhere? Um, you know, like that's that's the bare minimum level of respect that I can give someone. So if I see an opportunity to build on that, to be able to help in an effort towards reconciliation, I don't know why I wouldn't do that. So it's like the why and the why not are kind of in tandem there. And I think that should filter to all facets of life or other areas of organizations that you're a part of. I'm part of the Self-Employed Women's Network. Um, and we, at this, you know, at the crux of the change of June 2020, before the, you know, graves were found or anything like that, but we, you know, started to realize that we needed to go on a journey like that and, and facilitate it. And, educational workshop that we could invite other nonprofit organizations to in in things like how do I build policy into my organization and that and that kind of thing and that started because a question started to be asked you know membership wanted to say let's have a conversation about this you know let's talk about it let's well what can I do I can provide a safe and judgment-free space that we can build that and kind of realize okay a little bit more is needed so why wouldn't I take that to the next step of that level of understanding. Mm. Thank you, Val. That's, yeah. And what, what I really appreciate is I never mentioned the word um, reconciliation and you did, you brought it up. And so that's, the, to me, that's huge. And so, so thank you. I, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I was just curious and, and um, I appreciate your um, response. The braid of powerhouse certainly knows because I've, I've shared it, but I think it, Part of relational leadership and steps towards reconciliation um, is really trying to understand what relational even means, <laughs> because we're really trying to build 
relations again. And um, the knowledge keeper and former chief that I've been studying with um, has really encouraged me to read uh, the memorial to Sir Wilfrid Laurier from 1910 that was written by three chiefs of my home nation um, across the Shuswap Valley. And, you know, it's so interesting back in 1910 when they, um, when, when they realized that people were arriving in, in their home, people that were arriving that didn't look like them. They actually wrote out um, uh, an invitation of how we might live together. And um, it's kind of crazy because it's, you know, it's all those years ago. But really, if you read it right through, those three chiefs were um, suggesting that we can live together as brothers. We can hold each other up to be even greater. If you read that, that uh, memorial from 1910, everything we're talking about now is has been talked about before. We're just returning to it now because that didn't happen. And so part of reconciliation and healing is rebuilding the relationships that unfortunately didn't happen at that time. And so it is through these, you know, working partnerships, these initiatives, and what we're able to do because of them. It's not only the impact of them, it's the process that we get to experience through them. That's why I'm so about partnerships. It's because it's the process. People come to me and they're like, well, well, what should we do? Well, don't do anything by yourself. Like, you know, do things in relation with in partnership with, learn from, unlearn from. And um, I, I'm really grateful at a, <clears throat> at a local level, local and regional level, that we're able to not only make a powerful impact, but actually enjoy a process through conversations, through, you know, through emails, through learning. I work differently than that, than you work. And, and it's, it's that, those are the ways that we heal, right? And um, it, it's not that it wasn't laid out for us. <laughs> I love that you just said that's how we heal. And that hasn't come up in this conversation yet. Uh, however, you know, when you introduced Val Shar, you introduced Val as a, and, and the cooperators as putting people first. And uh, Val, I wonder if you might speak to that because whenever when I look at the change maker you are, to me that's like one of the like one of the key pieces. Like that's how you move change forward. Is you actually put people first? I just wonder if you can speak to that a bit for us. Yeah. You have to put people first, like you have to. I think there's no other option and no other choice. I don't believe that you will be successful if you don't, you know? It's like, you do it because it's the right thing to do, but you also just quite frankly do it because you won't be successful if you don't either. Um, if I am talking to somebody and I sell them a life insurance policy and it's not actually the right thing for them, I mean, let's forget about the fact that that would be non-compliant, but that person is eventually going to figure that out and they're not going to be very happy about that and that's going to create reputational damage, but that's also not why I'm here. Like I'm here 
to understand people and help find the right solutions for them. And by finding the right solutions for them and putting those people first, I mean, I'm bettering their lives and I'm also helping my business because they're going to have a good experience. They're going to tell somebody about having that good experience. Like it's all, it's all interconnected. Like there's no other way to do it. Morally, I wouldn't feel right doing it any other way anyways. But to me, it just, it makes sense in literally every single way possible. If I want to be able to have a good conscience at the end of the day, I'm obviously going to do what's right for the person in front of me. I would rather have somebody sit across from me and better understand what their needs are and tell them, I'd love to help you out, but I'm not the right fit for you because of X, Y, and Z. And I've done that before and I'll do that again because I'm not going to be serving them well or correctly if I do something that's not within their own comfort level or that takes them outside of a budget that they're okay with working with or any number of different things. When I first actually remember in my first training with cooperators, they put you through, a, a, you know, the different training programs, onboarding and all that. And they actually say when they're telling you about the, you know, learn about the organization and, and corporation and all that, it's people before profits is what they say. And that's because making the right decision for the person in front of you is something that's supported by the organization, but it also just, it, it makes sense in every way, shape and form. Val, I just wish other people and everybody here, I, I wish um, regardless of, of what um, their vocation is, I wish everybody would have that same, that same, just can you imagine what the world would be like if, if you know, like, so we've got the, the carpenter and we've got the the baker we've got the you know everybody has um, uh, leadership capabilities and and has that ability to put uh, people before profit put other people um first and this world would be so much better if, if we thought that way well i think it connects to the sdg goals right SD, uh, the 2030 sd like sustainability when we put people first we're sustainable. And, and I, I mean, I love, um, you know, one of our sisters in powerhouse, Hillary Sampson is, is about to go get her PhD in reimagining capitalism. And, and I suspect, I don't know, cause I'm not Hillary, but that people before profit is actually redefining profit. Would you say Valerie, are, are we onto something? Yeah. Like, I really believe, and I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way, but like I am, I am running a business as well. Like it makes both business sense and people sense. I mean, how many times are we seeing comments on community Facebook groups? Oh, don't go to this person. They screwed me over or something like that. And then on the next page, you'll see, oh, I had a really excellent experience with this or somebody asking for any recommendations in this area. I mean, what you put out there is... I believe will cycle back in some way, shape, or form. And and even from a, a business, a very very much with a business lens on, it is far easier and less expensive to keep a client than to gain a new client. Uh, there's stats to back that up. And so as we move from transactional to relational you know, it's, it is, it's that ripple um, of relational, uh, not only leadership, but it's a, a ripple of referrals, uh, 
new introductions. Um, it, it, so many people have asked me over the years, well, you know, so who, who does your marketing? It's like, honestly, to be really honest with you, my best opportunities have come because of people who believe in me. And, and, and this project is another case in point of that, right? Like that is a different, it's not only about, um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not only about the cost of a new client, it's about the depth of the relationships in your business are the rip you feel that in the reputation and brand of your business, right? You can feel the difference in depth and that's becoming more and more and more important. Yeah. What comes up for me there is the teaching of seven generational thinking, right? When you use the word depth, I was like, whew, right. The, the, and, and also want to name, it ain't the old boys club of, of multi-generations of, well, we've always done it this way. It's not that. It's the depth of relationship, of being seen, known, and uh, allowed in your wholeness to be, yeah, to do good work together. Hmm. Makes me think about the table of 20. So the table of 20, Val, was, uh, was our first time doing that. And, um, and which goes to your point, the why not question. So it was like an exploration. What happens when we bring 20 people in the room together from different sectors? What would happen? And this is what happened. And it makes me wonder, and Shar and I talked about this, that maybe every year we do a powerhouse table of 20. And but what if the intention was to co-create projects that contribute to economic reconciliation? What if, I don't know, like it was a gathering that Powerhouse had last year at like a beta. What happens when we bring 20 industry leaders into the room? And there was a process that we walked through with Christina Benti and um, that illuminated uh, what hierarchical structures can can look like and, and how we can default to powerful and powerless in that structure. And um, and while that was the doing of the event, the byproduct, as Shar often says, is that magic happens at the periphery. So we needed a reason to gather and we did something together, But the, and that was magic too. But the actual magic is this collective that we've put together, uh, or rather that happened. I don't even wanna say that we put it together, right? It's like it happened and, and now a contribution is being made in a relational way for, um, yeah economic reconciliation ah, yeah. <laughs> oh we're getting some hands up um we're we're nearing the end of our conversation and i wanted we have one last question for you val uh which is from your change maker perspective what do you think is the most important thing to bring to the table in relational leadership I really want to bring it back to that people are people and when you're meeting people no matter what the circumstances are is having that openness um, and empathy and grace and bringing that emotional intelligence into it um, with like a sprinkle of understanding like we are all coming to whatever it is we're doing this conversation our lives or whatever brings us together from a unique place uh, and having an awareness with you that you know the person I'm speaking to 
might not be coming from that same place. And so trying to gather that understanding so you're communicating in a way that is resonating with them and being able to understand if, if it's not to be open and and open to learn, open to pivot and yeah, empathy and grace, I think too. Mm, thank you for that. Um... Hmm. People first. Yeah. I always say you start in the first five minutes. Everything you need to say happens in the first five minutes and the rest of the hour you're unpacking it. People first. Um, we always close gather for her with what we're leaving with. And, uh, and so I'm going to, who, anybody got something alive for them? Like, whew, yes, this has impact me. Who's got impacted me? Scott, who wants to start? I will. So yeah. Um, Yes, empathy and grace. Thank you for that. The emotional intelligence involved in relational leadership is is huge, and you just nailed it with two very important um, uh, characteristics that, um, to me, embody relational leadership. Um, and and well, I'm I'm taking that away, but I'm also taking away why not? Why not? Thank you. It's been awesome. I love that. Why not? Yeah, me too. Um, I will add to that where this conversation, where I want to go from here. So it's been a bit of a catalyst, right? Um, I believe that the height of relational leadership is when we fully recognize that our relations are, are, are a mirror and that's all they are. You mirror me, I mirror you. Um, and a big part of our healing happens through relations because they're, you're mirroring back to me, whether it's something that I love about you or something that drives me crazy, you're mirroring back to me, the areas that, that I, uh, that I still need to work on that I'm strong and I love all parts of them, but that's the beauty of relationships. It, and they are our, our mirror to guide us uh, through this lifetime. I'm leaving with the the importance of a table of 20, actually. You know, my thinking, my brain went ting, ting. This is why we're going to do this every year with Powerhouse. This is it. It's economic reconciliation. And for the next little while, let's gather some leaders in the space and see what magic happens at the periphery. How do we leverage and work together? And yeah, that's what I'm leaving with. That's my go-to. Go build that, Overbury. Go do that. That's where I am. Um, thank you. Val, how about you? What are you leaving with today? Um, I just want to say, like, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, and I'm really honored to be here and participate in this. Um, I, like, my takeaway is to remember and have confidence in in myself and the work that I'm doing and that it's all the highest good is coming as it comes. And, and you know, sometimes when we get into these holistic, um, emotionally intelligent conversations, the conversation can flow naturally and really well and remembering to take our conversation here and apply it in the day to day because it's great to talk about this and I do believe that I implement a lot of this a lot of the time, but it's certainly not all the time. And it's certainly easy to forget um, and fall into habits. So it's a it's a great reminder for myself to 
take all your advice and hear all the things that you're saying and take my own advice too sometimes. As always, we are so grateful for your deep listening with us. We want you to know that there is a community here that you may not know about yet. We gather virtually every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time for these live conversations, and we call it Gather for Her. This is the place where we begin to weave our individuality together to remove silos and place our hands at each other's backs for activated, intentional action towards a world we all want for 2030, where we prepare for a better world. When you're ready, we're here. Find us at powerhouse.com and get social with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If it feels right, you can support this inspired wisdom through Patreon at patreon.com powerhouse. Until next time, keep listening and know we're always here, ready to gather with you.